everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hey guys, I'm Nancy, the Chief Flying Pig Wrangler, and I help women business owners with chronic illness implement new systems in their business so that they can function more efficiently. Do you need better systems to scale your company? Do you have a chronic illness? Well, here at Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, we have conversations where we share the tools and mindsets that others use to make our businesses grow more easily. I know our guest today has some insight into that. So grab your pen and paper and get started taking notes. It's going to be good. Welcome, Shannon McFarland. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, I am so excited because we're going to be talking about some things that I deal with on a regular basis. And so I know that my clients and people listening to this podcast are going to want to hear about them too. So let's start out by introducing you and, and saying a little bit about who you are and why you have these wonderful insights. Ah, well, it all started, I didn't think that I was meant to be a business person on my own. I was working in emergency and disaster management for the state of Washington, which is like FEMA, but at the state level. And that's what my master's degree is in. You know, it was, I loved the work and I got really sick. And my doctor said, this career that you've chosen is not compatible with your health. So it's time to make some choices. You can stay and you can get completely wiped out and your stuff is going to get worse, or you can try something else. I think all of us are so familiar with that feeling of recognizing that we are mortal, and that we do need accommodations, and that we do need help, and we have to admit that, and it's so hard. But I finally got there, and I decided, okay, well, I'm going to stay home and create a business that I I really enjoy. And now I am a full-time artist and photographer. I work on mostly memorial pieces. I help families that are going through hospice and death care and grief, things like that. It's wonderful work. And what I found is that all of the, the study and experience that I have on the emergency management side have really shown up in what I'm able to do for people. Also what I'm able to do for myself and my family, because Living with a chronic illness is a lot like being your own emergency manager, that you know that disasters are going to happen, that you know that you need to prepare for them, that having ways to mitigate against them and respond to them and then recover from them, all of that is important. And that is exactly what emergency managers do. So if you are looking for a career that might be a good fit for you and works with your constitution... (laughs) That may be a good one. It wasn't for me, but I'm so thankful that I was there first because it really has made a difference in how I'm able to manage my life now. I think that's really important. And a message that keeps coming through over and over and over again for me is that, and I, you would think after seven years, I'd get it. (laughs) (laughs) But but there are still days when I'm going, you know, but it's, it's like you had this whole life 
and you were going along and you were doing what you wanted to do. And then wham, here comes something that says, nope, it's not going to be that way any longer. And, you know, I'm sure if you're at all like me, you just sort of fell to pieces, at least for a while. Yeah. That, it, well, it's, it's a big part of identity. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, you get to the point where, and, and I had people, I can remember people telling me that, yeah, you're just, you're making it up. I don't want to hear it. That's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, you're making it sound like it's so terrible. And, you know, so you just, your feet hurt. So what, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. interestingly, lately, I've been having issues and I've been going to some doctors and I found a doctor just the other day that said, it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel like the floor has been pulled out from underneath you. I understand it. We're going to take care of it. We're going to fix it. And I'm going, Oh, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Because for seven years, it's, it's like, I can do this. I can help other people. It's, and, and somebody said, you never had the time to grieve. And now that mm-hmm. you're working with people in hospice and things like that, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You do need to be able to grieve and say, okay, my life is going to be different. And then find something like you did that can pick up the pieces and say, not only am I still worthy, but I'm going to be darn successful with this. Yeah. And share what I have learned with other people. Because I, you know, grief, we don't talk about it well in society, at least not in the predominant culture in the United States. People tend to think of it as being something that is exclusively related to death. And it's not. We have all kinds of little griefs that come up. And when we don't give them the space to do what it is that they need to do, which is give us a means of connecting with what we've lost, what was once really important to us and may still be really important to us, then they just come up later when we're not expecting them. I mean, I was a, I was a champion level grief stuffer, emotion stuffer for decades. And I just thought, well, I'll, I'll deal with this later. Now's not a good time. I have this other thing going on. And I think a lot of chronic illness people find that really relatable because we tend to be the people may think that we want to sit home on the sofa all day, but we don't. We're go getters. And that's a part of the reason why we get sick. Yeah. I just thought, well, I'll, I'll handle it later, but I, I never made good on my promises and I didn't come back to that stuff. So grief showed up when grief was ready and I didn't have a say. Totally unprepared. <laughs> yeah. And it it's really hard to do it when not only are you unprepared for it, but you are unwilling. Yeah. You don't have the resources. You keep thinking, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. This needs to be happening at another time. But yet you're not willing to make the space for that. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is hard. And I, what comes to mind for me is one of my favorite movies this shows my age, but we still see it on TV all the time, is um, Gone with the Wind. And, you know, I, I will even picture that when there's something that I'm dealing with where Scarlett would say, I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. When I go back to Tara, you know, I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about it now. I'll think about it later. And, and I will say, I'm just going to deal with that when I get back to Tara. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, I just 
really create that picture of not doing something right now and you know moving it into the background but that is really a dangerous thing for us to do it sure can be yeah and you you talk about preparing for the hard days and creating a response plan talk a little bit about that i think that's really interesting well, in the world of emergency management, what we do is we we look at things called risks and hazards. So what we're doing in a, whether it's an emergency plan for a business or a family or a city or a state, you're looking around to saying, what's likely to happen? What are the things that we are at risk for? Is this a place where earthquakes happen or is this a place where tornadoes happen? And what about things like cybersecurity and power outages and that kind of stuff? So you're looking around to see what's possible, knowing that there's going to be the black swan type things that you, you can't think of, and that's okay. And then figuring out how likely those are to happen and what might be the severity of those things. So if you're going at it from a really professional, hardcore kind of approach, there's a lot of numbers and science involved. What I've done for myself is look at, okay, well, what, what kinds of flares do I have? What kinds of symptoms do I have? What, what about brain fog? What about fatigue? What about aches and pains? What about digestive distress, those kinds of things. So picking apart the symptoms for the medical conditions that I have and figuring out, okay, well, you know, on average, like in an average quarter, how often does this happen and how bad is it usually? And then be really honest with myself, which is nice to see what am I capable of doing during this time? And what kinds of supports do I need? What resources or accommodations do I need? Is this a kind of event where I could continue to do some maybe easier, more routine tasks that I don't have to think a lot about that I could do from bed or from the sofa with a tablet? Or is this the kind of thing where I'm going to be in the hospital and I'm going to be out for three weeks? That kind of stuff. So just writing that down, looking at my vulnerabilities. And that can be difficult to process, to see them all laid out on paper or a spreadsheet or however it is that people like to do it. But it, once it's there, it's nice because one of when one of those hard days happens, oh, well, okay, it's this kind of day. I have already thought about this. And I have decided that the best thing for me to do is to try this work-wise, that I have I'm going to send out a message to people and I'm going to say, I'm going to be out for three days and then just not worry about it. Or this is the kind of day where I know I can't work on the big projects. I need to do something simple and routine, like send out a couple of invoices. Yeah, I I love that. And I can remember when I first started doing the podcasts, I would have these pre, I I still do have the pre-interviews with people who want to be on the show because I want to make sure that what we're talking about is right and that people are going to be interested. And there was a person, but back then it was all about, I wanted to get the big names and I wanted, you know, all of this stuff because I wanted everybody to think my podcast was the bees. (laughs) (laughs) And here was this woman 
that I had wanted to have on my show. And so we were trying to make an arrangement for this pre-interview. And the first time we set the uh, interview, I couldn't do it because I had gotten a call from my doctor. I was getting ready for surgery. And the doctor said, we need you here right now for blood work. Oh, and the, our doctors said we're about an hour away. And so I said, I'm sorry, I got to cancel the interview. I've got to go to the doctors. The next time we set up the interview, I think I actually had COVID. It was just before the COVID started and I was so sick and I had laryngitis and I was just, I couldn't talk and I felt like horrible. And I called and I said, I'm really sorry, but I can't do it. I just can't do it as much as I want to. Well, she got so angry that, you know, she, and it wasn't even her. It was, I never got to talk to her. It was her assistant. The assistant got so angry that she says, well, I guess you're just not interested in dealing with, you know, Miss Person. Oh. And we'll just forget the whole thing. And that was just devastating to me because it was such an important thing. And I felt guilty mm -hmm. because it was my health that was having the issues. And so, but now I, now I've gotten to the point where I just say, guess you weren't right for the show anyway, were you? <laughs> you know, so, so. Because clearly. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Getting to getting to the point where you can say, look, this is the situation. Everybody knows, for goodness sakes, my podcast is about chronic illness, <laughs> you know? You mm -hmm. need to understand this stuff. And you need to, if you've listened to anything I've ever said or done, you know I've got something. <laughs> so it's just all about being open and honest and working with the people that get it and want to be there. Do you think that's, that's important? <laughs> yeah. And I think I, for me, one of the things has been making peace with the idea that time sensitive stuff is not a good fit for me. When I was working for someone else, I was known for doing things on time for doing things early. And I drove myself into the ground because of that. And I, I still want to be punctual and I want to be really responsive and I want to take care of people. And I want to present myself as dependable because I believe that I am. And I also have a body that fights with itself sometimes. And I have a young person in my life that is medically exceptional and needs a lot of support from time to time. Some days are perfectly normal and some days aren't. And we never know which days those are going to be. So just making peace with that for me has been big, but also communicating that with people from the very beginning. I have it on my website. It's on my About Me page. If you are thinking about working with me, know that if your stuff is time sensitive, I'm probably not the best person for you. And I have a catalog of people that I would love to refer you to. If it doesn't work out with me, I want to connect you with somebody that I think is going to be a great fit for you that you're going to enjoy and feel supported by. And I, I know that I can't get to everybody. Yeah. And it is hard to admit that. 
It is. It is so hard, but I've, I've dealt with it now for so long and I've had so many issues come up that it's just, you know, this is the way it is. But I also have had up until recently, I have had the blessing of having a wonderful assistant working with me who knows, you know, what I can and can't do and, and was very good at taking on all of the kinds of things that might be more time sensitive, leaving me to do the things that I can do. And that was just incredible until she decided that it was time to retire. (laughs) And so since June, I have been trying to find a new assistant. And I think I've gone through five different businesses trying to find somebody because because, you know if my ability to be on time and and deal with time sensitivity is one thing I would ask somebody to do something and three weeks later they'd come back and say do you still want me to do that (laughs) so you know you can't do that so I think one tip that I have for businesses is getting somebody else to work with you that understands mm-hmm. what you're going through, that can deal with the things that you can't deal with, but you got to be just as clear with them that they more than ever in any business need to be on things because you as the boss can't be. Right. We all have vulnerabilities. That's another thing that comes up in emergency management. What are the vulnerabilities and what are the strengths? And when you're looking at how those match up with risks and hazards, what things could happen, are you looking at a structure or an organization or a thing that is going to have a hard time with this particular risk factor? Or is it going to be more resilient against it? Because there are things that come very easily and naturally to me that I can do even when I'm having a hard time that are nearly impossible for other people. And isn't that just part of the beauty of the human experience that we're all so different? And I think it's so easy to go down the path of where I'm beating myself up about what I can't do, where I feel limited. And in fact, it is completely natural and appropriate for me to have limitations and to acknowledge those limitations and not try to fight against them. That is how nature works best. Somebody said something to me in one of my podcasts a little while ago that I think is really interesting. And you just kind of uh, touched on that too. It's looking at the feeling bad about the things that we can't do. Let's turn that around. And, you know, some, the conversation was like, Oh, I can't remember the exact words, my brain, but it, it had to do with, I will ask somebody, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if it's not, I die, then you're good. And, mm-hmm. and But they said, why don't you, rather than saying, what's the worst thing that could happen, say, what are some of the really good things that can happen, even if, and that just makes such a difference. It does. It does. You know, looking at the positive and rather than sitting there and moaning and groaning, we went to the, I have a spinal stimulator 
And I knew something was wrong. It's not been working right. So I finally got one of the doctors here to do an x-ray. And it, I have two leads that come off of the machine that go into my spine and up to my brain. And one of the leads has come loose. And it's just sort of dangling. And, you know, so I knew, I knew that something was wrong. And I could just sit there and go, stupid doctor, they didn't put it in right. You know, they this, they that, the other thing, it hurts, it's not. But, you know, I I chose to say, because they turned it off, they turned that lead off. And unfortunately, I think that was the only lead that was working. Oh, no. Now my stimulator is not doing me any good. And I could have just been really moaning and groaning over it. But I'm going, well, you know, now this gives me the opportunity to have them go back in and check and put a new lead in and maybe put it in a spot that's going to give me more relief overall, you know, that they wouldn't have done if they hadn't figured out that it was loose. And I'm starting to look at the good things that can come out of this instead of looking at the, well, I didn't ever, <laughs> all of those mm-hmm. and it makes you feel totally different. Yeah. So do you have any stories along those lines? <laughs> it coming from emergency management has been harder for me to have a more optimistic view of things because I used to joke in the mornings, okay, well, I'm headed off to prepare for certain doom because that was my job. You know, what is the worst thing that could happen and how can we be ready for that? And there's not a lot of talk about what goes right. There's after something happens, there's a thing called an after action, something that really did happen. And that's when you go through and you break apart how you responded and whether or not your preparations stood up, the mitigation that you put in a place was effective or was it not? What things went well, what things didn't go well. And it is human nature to dwell on the things that don't go well, because that's the stuff that we have evolved to consider more highly. That's what keeps us alive. So it is hard for me to think about. i naturally gravitated into that career because I'm, I really like logical things and taking things apart and putting them back together. And you can't really do that with people. And it's been an interesting way to learn that. And I think being able to combine what I've learned through that and then being a practicing artist every day, art teaches me I, you know, I'm still learning, of course, we all are. When things don't go the way that I plan, it doesn't mean that they're wrong. That's hard for me. I want things to be just right. I want to do all the planning so that things just unfold exactly the way that I want them to, darn it. But especially working with something like watercolor, for example, the water is what determines what the paint is going to do. And it just flows. And there's influence that I can have over it. And there's a lot of skill and technique that I can apply. And still, sometimes it's going to move differently than what I anticipate. And my response to that is then to be curious about what's happening, instead of judging it, and then to find a way to add on to it. It's a bit like 
the the theory of improvisation where you say yes and not yes but so your partner proposes something and you say mm, yes and because when you're doing improv you can't negate what the other person says it's already out there so it's time to go with it and that has been the best thing about art for me in terms of just being a person and living a life, but also running a business is that I can have a whole bunch of plans and they're not always going to work. And this thing that I think is a complete mess up may be one of the best things that's happened. I just don't ever know. And that's, and that's excellent. And, you know, it's really funny because as we're talking about all of this and we're talking about what can go wrong, my internet's starting to act up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going, okay, uh, well, you know, certainly didn't plan for that. I haven't had an issue with internet problems in months and months and months. But I think that we've gotten a lot of information out and we are just going to flow with things. And we've actually come to the end of our time anyhow. So at least it was, it was good enough to, to stay until the end. (laughs) Good enough. Good enough. And sometimes that has, that's right. That has to be what it is. Real quickly. Is there anything that we didn't address that you want to (laughs) share? Oh, golly. Well, I don't want to take up extra time. But I I think that idea of being honest with yourself and your vulnerabilities, seeing those within you and communicating those up front with people. You know, I if you don't hear from me in five days, it's not a cause for alarm. I've just got some stuff and I'm going to work through it and and I will come back to you. I promise things like that help people understand what to expect. There you go. That's perfect for all the wonderful information today. And if people want to reach out to you, how do they go about doing that? You can find me at slobberedlens.com. That's exactly how it sounds, a camera lens that has lots of drool on it. And also my email address is shannon at slobberedlens.com. I'm also on Facebook at, you might have guessed, slobberedlens. (laughs) That's wonderful. And guys, to wrap things up, often after a podcast, people want to know more about some of the things that we do at Business Success Unlimited. And if you'd like to hop on a Zoom, my contact information is going to be in the show notes. And right now we're getting ready to set up for the kickoff of a new chapter of our mastermind program, which is a group of women business owners who are all having similar issues with running their business. They're looking for support, for guidance, for accountability, a bit of training, and a lot of fun. If you want some more information, send me a message to nancy at businesssuccessunlimited.com. And if this is a program that you enjoy let me know, share it with other people. We're always looking to get feedback on what we talk about and what other topics we can you know, bring to your attention and share with you. So let me know what you're thinking. And until next time, get out there, be productive and soar higher. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.